this morning, we, we are going to be looking at something totally different. In fact, uh, we're going to be looking into God's Word, and in particular into one, one person's story, specifically uh, John the Baptist. Okay? So we're going to be talking about John the Baptist today. And right when I said John the Baptist, a picture of someone came into your mind. Okay? And we'll, we'll see if that's an accurate picture. Um, John the Baptist, we know him as the guy. He, apparently in all our renditions, he's, he's, um, he's big, scruffy, wears camel hair, and eats locusts and honey. And we all think, like, eh, he's a little different guy. Um, and he may be. I didn't know him. But there's a lot that we can learn from him in his life. And, and, and he was spot on in so many areas. And so, I, so the way I want to start this morning is just by giving you kind of a, a brief overview of his life um, from the Gospels. Okay? So John the Baptist and his story actually begins as an absolute miracle. So John the Baptist, his story is, is a miracle. See, John the Baptist's parents were Zacharias and Elizabeth. And there was one phrase to describe Zacharias and Elizabeth, and it was past childbearing years. Um, they could not have children. In fact, like physically they were, they were well beyond age to be able to have, to have any kids. Um, she never could have children. She was barren her entire life. But Zacharias... His dad, John the Baptist's dad, was doing his priestly service, and an angel appeared to him and said, Fear not, Zacharias, your prayer is heard. So, so they must have been praying that they would have a child. He said, Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son to you, and you will call his name John. And for you there will be great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he will not drink, drink wine and strong drink, and he will be filled of the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. It sounds like a pretty incredible thing. I, I, would, I would love that prophesied over all my kids, right? That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, and so, he will come before and in the sight of him. So he has come before, meaning before Jesus, and in the sight of him, in the sight of Jesus in the spirit of power, the power of Elijah, to turn hearts of fathers back to children and stubborn ones to the insight of righteousness and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What an incredible testimony. What an incredible just prophetic word over John. However, Zacharias, being the realist that he was, and maybe this is some of you can relate with this, he doubted this. He's like, that sounds good, but... How many of you are, you would call yourselves realists, and you're like, eh, I have a little doubt. I can be that way too. Maybe the, you know, little criticalness of like, yeah, we'll, we'll see if that happens, you know. I'll put it in my back pocket until then. Well, Zacharias had this. He doubted the angel, and so the angel made sure that Zacharias couldn't talk. He literally made it so that he can't talk, that he, not a word, until after John was born. So for at least these nine months, Zacharias' dad couldn't speak a word. And so it came time for John to be born. And Zacharias' first words were blessing and prophecy spoken over his son, John. 
So the Lord opened up his mouth so he could speak, and the first thing he spoke was, was prophecy and blessing over his son, which is awesome. The, the Bible said that from that point on, John grew as a child and became strong in spirit, and he was in the desert until the day of his appearing to Israel. And so when the time came, the Bible says that he appeared preaching in the wilderness of Judea, preaching a baptism of repentance unto forgiveness of sin, saying, and this is kind of how we know him, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? The Bible also tells us how John dressed and a little about his lifestyle. So this is where John becomes a little different to us sometimes. Um, It tells how he was dressed in camel hair and wore a belt of skin, and it also states that he ate locusts and wild honey. So, Steph, if you could put up the picture. Maybe this is how we think of of, of John the Baptist, right? He's, he's, he's big and huge beard and, and dark hair, and he's, he's dressed in, in fact, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of cartoons kind of drawn of John the Baptist where like, he's wearing this camel hair, and, and these camels are like following him with like the little love things by him because they think he's a cute camel or something. So like, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of jokes that can be made about, about how he dressed and... and what he ate, and, you know, the guy apparently had maybe some dietary needs that we didn't or something didn't agree with his system. I don't know why John, John did this, and so it's, it's kind of an interesting picture. In fact, some of you at Thanksgiving might have an uncle that kind of reminds you of John the Baptist, who's just a big bearded guy, who, like, and he brings his own food or, you know, like he eats different things. So anyways, this is kind of the picture that we think of when, when we think of John the Baptist, which, which may be completely accurate, but, but what I'd like to do this morning is maybe not define John the Baptist by his crazy clothing and his interesting diet, but by his life and what he did. Isn't that a much better way to define someone? So, so, so that's what we want to do this morning with, with John the Baptist. Um, hopefully... We're going to work on replacing this picture with one that's a little bit more accurate of, of who he is in his life. You know, he, he actually played an incredible role in what Jesus came to do. And so we, we don't ever want him to be diminished because of his looks and his diet because um, when he did this incredible role. So far, Jesus had not begun his ministry. And so John the Baptist was proclaiming this message of repentance alone and with a set purpose to prepare the way the Bible says for Jesus. And so let's continue to look at his life. John the Baptist had some harsh words for the Pharisees and Sadducees throughout the gospel, just like Jesus would have eventually as well. He preached the good news of Jesus coming and preparing the way for him, but he also preached some news of looming judgment. He kind of had a a balanced approach to how he did it. Many questions were actually put to John the Baptist before Jesus' ministry, including many people wondering if John the Baptist was the Messiah. So this was John's answer. Listen to his response when somebody asked him if he was the Messiah. He said, Indeed, I baptize you in water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and of whom I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap or to carry his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, John, we would say, wasn't very much of an opportunistic guy. 
because um, he didn't take the bait when asked, are you the Messiah? He wasn't like, well, I mean, maybe. You know, a lot of times, though, we, we have a hard time responding to the truth when we're elevated too high, don't we? I knew I do sometimes that maybe you don't say it, but you know, maybe in your heart or maybe in your mind you're like, well, you know, I'm not, or I didn't say that, or that's not really me. But if you want to think that, that's okay, right? You know, sometimes we want to be a little opportunistic with how, with, you know, with how people think of us or how we're approached. John didn't do that, though. An excellent example for us. You know, only a few months later after John had begun his ministry, we see his first interaction with Jesus, and it was at Jesus' baptism. The Bible says that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him, by John. But John didn't want to baptize Jesus, and he said, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? He's like, you got this all backwards, Jesus. And Jesus answered John and said, let it happen now, for it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So John the Baptist, so John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And a dove descended on Jesus, the Bible said, and a voice came from heaven saying, This one, you, you are my son, my beloved, in whom I delight. So now Jesus and John are doing ministry and preaching at the same time. So Jesus is, is, is in, and he's baptized, and he starts his ministry, and John is still going. So they're kind of going at the same time. And John was again approached by Jews asking him, Who are you? And once again, John responded, I am not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet. John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And, and when they pressed him about this and how he could be baptizing people, he said, listen, I, I baptize with water, but he whom, he, who, he whom you have not known stands in your midst. He's talking about Jesus. You don't know him yet, but he's standing right here. He stands in your midst. The one coming after me, I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandal. And afterwards, Jesus and John the Baptist crossed paths again. And when John saw Jesus, he yelled out and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is concerning whom I said, A man is coming after me who has come in front of me because he was before me. So he's elevating Jesus yet again. John went on to confirm Jesus' baptism and everything that had happened his whole testimony. The next day, John and Jesus crossed paths again. John was with his two disciples. And the next, when, when, when he saw Jesus again, he said again, Behold the Lamb of God. And you know what happened? Right after he said this, John's disciples who were with him, they stood up, or maybe they were already standing, and they walked away from John and went and followed Jesus. Immediately. There was apparently no exchange of words. It wasn't like, hey, where are you going? Like he's, they, just, they just went and followed Jesus. And, and these two disciples, um, these are the first two of Jesus' disciples that, that is talked about in the Gospels. So later, later on, John's disciples heard of Jesus. So there's still some other guys who are following John. So they heard of Jesus and all of his followers and everything. So John's disciples approached John and asked him about Jesus and what Jesus was doing. And John again affirms Jesus and who he is and why Jesus came. 
Not only that, but he goes a little further this time. He says, and, and he actually says these words, which I think are incredibly powerful. He said, he must increase, talking about Jesus, and I must decrease. What an incredible statement. John had done a great job of staying on mission in preparing the way for Jesus Christ, didn't he? Spot on. Remember, John shared the good news and some news, news of judgment. He was a, we would call him a blunt guy. He's pretty honest. Well, in one case, he apparently was a little too blunt because he called out Herod the Tetrarch because of his, he married his brother's wife and he had done some other evil things. So John was approaching him about his sin. He was going to let you know. And Herod arrested John and threw him into prison. So over time, actually, Herod kind of grew to like John. He seemed to, to grow rather fond of him. And while John was in prison, he, he's, John actually sent a question to Jesus to confirm that Jesus was the Messiah. And this was Jesus' response to John. He said, go, report to John, talking to his disciples, to go back and tell John what you perceive, hear, and see. Blind ones are seeing, lame ones are walking, leopards are cleansed. Deaf ones are hearing, dead ones are being raised, poor ones receive good news, and blessed is he who is not offended at me. So Jesus didn't stop there, though. He turned from John's disciples now to the crowd, and this is what he says about John the Baptist. I want you to listen carefully to this. He said, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? What did you go out to see? A prophet? He said, yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, for this is of he of whom it has been written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Those are the words of Jesus. That's pretty incredible. Pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Less than a year later, however, John the Baptist still in prison, would find himself beheaded because of a thoughtless oath by King Herod. And there's where his life ends. In fact, by our standards, a little bit, it's kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? Such an incredible man that Jesus defines as such, has such an abrupt ending to his life. By our standards, for being such a great guy, he didn't seem to accomplish much. He didn't build like a ministry, he didn't, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot that he accomplished, but according to Jesus' standards, John's life was incredibly significant. And the question for us is, what matters most? You know, what matters most? What the world or our culture says or what Jesus values as important? And, and hopefully our answer this morning is what Jesus values as important. What Jesus says should be the most important. And this is how John the Baptist lived his life by the Holy Spirit, obedient, obedient to what God wanted him to do. What an incredible example for us. And obviously, and rightly so, he is overshadowed by the ministry of Jesus. That was his whole intent. In fact, he's glad that that happens. So that's the story, that's the life of John the Baptist. You know, there's, there's so much that we can learn from his life. I wanted to give you that brief overview so we could just kind of to take his life and his example and say, okay, what can we learn from that? You know, and this, this could be actually a great way for you to spend the rest of the week is looking into the life of John the Baptist because there's, 
there's way more in there than what we'll have time to discuss this morning. Focusing on his life and his, inter- his interactions with Jesus, you could explore maybe his message of repentance or the, for the forgiveness of sins, or maybe his harsh warnings to the Pharisees and, and, and Sadducees, or maybe how he responded to the many questions that were thrown in him. There's so much that God's Word tells us about John. But this morning I'd like to focus on one aspect of John's life. As I began going through the four Gospels the past few months, John's life really began to stand out to me. You know, for one, John was able to understand what was going on way better, it seemed like, than any of Jesus' disciples. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus' disciples followed him for three and a half years. But throughout those three and a half years, Jesus grew frustrated with them at times because they, they didn't seem to really get what was going on. Are you guys familiar with, with some of those? He's, some of his disciples wanted to be great. Some of his disciples wanted to sit on a certain side of him in his kingdom. You know, all, all these things. However, John the Baptist, who by comparison spent very little time with Jesus, seemed to understand who Jesus was and why he was there way better than the people who were following him for three and a half years. Isn't that kind of crazy to think about? You know, because a, a lot of times I like to think, well, you know, if I, if I were one of the 12 disciples, truly I would understand, you know, what was going on, right? I mean, it's obvious. Well, because we're on the other side of it, of course it's obvious. But, but they didn't. And, and that's okay, I guess. But isn't it incredible that, that John the Baptist was almost a better follower of Jesus than the followers of Jesus, you know? You know, John, John spent very little time, but he seemed to understand the best. He seemed to verbalize this concept of who Jesus was and what Jesus was there for, his mission, better than, than anyone else. You know, one conclusion that we could draw from his life is that John was this better follower of Jesus than some of his followers were. You know, but John, on the other hand, he seems to verbalize these things incredibly well. And this is what I want to focus on this morning. Of the many lessons that we can learn from John the Baptist's life and his interactions with Jesus, we're going to focus on this this morning. That all throughout John the Baptist's life, he constantly pointed others to Jesus and to Jesus' mission. That's what we want to spend some time on this morning. All throughout his life, he focused, he pointed others to Jesus and to Jesus' mission all the time. It seemed like without fail. You know, John was able to articulate this so well, what no one else was able to understand, it seemed like. Not the Pharisees who knew the Old Testament so well, not even Jesus' own disciples really knew what was happening, but John the Baptist did. And, and to show that, let's, we're going to take a look at John chapter 3, verse 22. So grab your Bibles. <clears throat> And let's take a look at John 3:22. Let's see one of the ways that John did this. We're going to read chapter 22, I'm sorry, chapter 3 verses 22 through 26. It says after these things Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea And there he was spending time with them and baptizing. This is talking about Jesus was taking time and spending it there and baptizing. John also was baptizing 
in Anan near Salem, because there was much water there, and people were coming and were being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore there arose a discussion on part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, referring to Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. They're kind of saying, like, what's the deal with Jesus? You know, like nobody's coming to us to be baptized anymore. They're all going to Jesus. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who is the bride, or he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above, referring to Jesus, is above all. He who is of this earth, referring to himself, is from earth and speaks of earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son of God is eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So here... John gives us a great picture of what he's been doing throughout his ministry here on earth, pointing others to the fact that Jesus is the one everyone has been waiting for, the Messiah. First, though, we can't give John the Baptist all the credit here, can we? I mean, this isn't something he figured out and no one else did. You know, this is something that the Holy Spirit revealed to him. In fact, in Luke 1.15, it says John will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So this should actually give us great hope because as someone who doesn't figure everything out or understand things all the time, which is myself, the Holy Spirit can reveal things to us and therefore give us wisdom and understanding and knowledge way beyond our own capacity, which is awesome because I need that constantly. On my own, not very bright. But in the hands of God, he can... He can use us. He can reveal things to us if we're willing to be used by him, which is awesome. It's great news. So there's a lot of hope there. The reality that through the Holy Spirit, God readily reveals his truth to us, his people. This is the only reason that John the Baptist was able to point others to Jesus and to Jesus' mission. It, It wasn't him. It wasn't John. It was the Holy Spirit. The same is true in our lives. We can point others to Jesus and his mission, but only by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. We should all be pointing others not to a good book or to a political party or to to anything like that, but to Jesus, right? That is the most important thing. By the Holy Spirit, our words and actions can live this out. You know, in, in this passage of Scripture, John also makes an incredible analogy to his role of that of a groomsman. Did you catch that in John chapter 3 when he was talking about that? About him being a groomsman. And uh, I, I just wanted to share one thing with you that a um, commentary said about it. I thought they had some good insight as far as his analogy here. And so it says this. It says, His function has, as he readily admits, to go before Christ like the groomsman dispatched to make the final preparations for a wedding, to rejoice in the humble role he is called upon to play 
at the wedding itself, and then to retire into obscurity when his appointed task is finished. And in the discharge of these functions, his cup of happiness or contentment has been full. His final words are eloquent of his self-effacement. He must increase, but I must decrease. But though John is divinely commissioned to be a forerunner of Christ, he is, like all other human teachers, earthly in origin, and forced to use the language of the earth. He is unable, therefore, to speak of heavenly things with the same first-hand knowledge that can belong to Jesus alone, who has been sent direct from heaven and is far superior to all others. So he's, he's demonstrating his own humanity here when he says, he must increase and I must decrease. He's showing and, and, and trying to, to explain to us that Jesus is the one who can reveal all truth and the truth of heaven because he came from heaven. We're from earth, so we can only explain things in earthly ways. And it's, it's interesting. I, I don't remember who, who had mentioned it, but I thought it was a very good point. I said, why, why do we try to explain supernatural things in natural ways? You know, it's because we're trying to put into our earthly understanding something that's way far beyond us, and we try to use natural analogies, which, which isn't bad, but never really fully explains it, does it? Do you ever realize that? So I think, I think we miss a lot when we just try to pack the supernatural thing into something uh, that's natural. So I just thought that was interesting. So we see that in John's life and actions that he successfully carried out what God wanted him to do, to point others to Jesus and, and Jesus' reason for coming to earth. You know, this is, this is really good information, and there's a lot that we can learn from this, but I'd like to take this one step further this morning and ask a simple question. I'd love to ask the question, why? This simple question is incredibly powerful and really forces us to think and analyze John's life and not just accept what he did as information and, and good things, but really try to figure out, why did he do it? John did point others to Jesus and to his mission, but why? It's, it's one thing to know the information is true. It's completely another to understand why or how. And so this morning I'd like to just ask that simple question to the life of John the Baptist. What he said and did is spelled out in Scripture, but why? I believe Scripture reveals a few answers to this question. In fact, much more than a few, but we're just going to take a look at three simple answers on why. Why would John the Baptist, why did he live a life and spoke words that pointed Jesus, pointed to Jesus and to his mission? Well, the first one seems a little obvious, but it's very compelling, and it's this. John was called by God and willing to be used of the Holy Spirit. That's why. John was called by God and willing to be used of the Holy Spirit. It's, it sounds simple enough, right? But now you put your name, I want, you to, I want you to do this, put your name in the place of John's so that now, for me, the sentence would read, Paul was called by God and willing to be used of the Holy Spirit. So now you put your name in there. When we personalize this truth, it kind of becomes more real, right? You know, we, we as Christians, are, are we called by God? The Bible says yes. Yes, in fact, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You 
and I were all called. The only reason we became followers of Jesus is because he called us. If you are a Christian, you have been called by God just like John was. It may be a different role, but you've been called by God. John was also willing to be used of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think that we forget that we have the God of the universe living inside of us. Have you ever thought about that? Even if, even if we do realize this, our natural tendency seems to only try to utilize the Holy Spirit at times for what we want, our own selfish desires. And I, and I think we're all, including myself, guilty of that. You know, if this is, if this is true, no wonder the, the Spirit maybe isn't all that evident in Christians' lives if we only try to use Him for what we want to accomplish. But God's Spirit in each one of us is only used to accomplish God's will in His ways. That's why it doesn't work out so well for us a lot of times. That's why our life doesn't go the way we want it to go necessarily. Because God's Holy Spirit will only be used to accomplish God's will and to do it in His ways. You can, you can maybe know what God's will is for your life, and then you try to sneak that path that you want to take to God's will. It doesn't work like that. God's Holy Spirit, the God of the universe that lives inside of us, only will accomplish God's will and will only do it God's way, which is, which is very challenging to us. If we try any other way, it doesn't work. God's will cannot be traded for ours, and God's ways cannot be exchanged for doing things my way. As, as Christians, we are called by God to accomplish his will on earth according to his ways. And this is what I love about John. He was called by God to accomplish God's will, and in this way he obeyed, which is awesome. He didn't try to accomplish what God wanted to, he, however John wanted it to be done. He didn't say, you know what, God, that's a great call in my life. Here's how we should do it. You know, but, but so often we do that. We're like, yes, all right, I heard from the Lord. Now I'm going to get after it because this, this is the best way to accomplish it, right? But God told him how to do it. See, when we substitute our own will or in our own ways, we miss out on what God wants us to do. We miss out on what God wants to do. Since this doesn't come naturally, God spends most of our lives and I'm just starting to notice this, he seemingly spends most of our lives preparing us, forming our character, developing our hearts, and renewing our minds. In other words, making us more like Jesus, a process that we call sanctification. He spends most of our lives doing that than he does in necessarily us accomplishing what would be his work. Does that make sense? Because God, God cares more about changing our hearts than having us reach some pinnacle that we want to reach. And so he seems to spend, and, and he did with John, he seemed to spend most of his life developing John and his character. And he seems to be doing that with all of us than he did in actually having John carry out his, that specific mission he, he had John on. So if you look at a timeline of John's life like we did, he only lived to his mid-30s, and his total ministry time was only about two to three years, and some of that time was spent in jail. So what was going on the rest of John's life? Well, God was preparing him for what was next. For us, I think, this is the most frustrating times of our lives, isn't it? It bothers us because we set goals and we accomplish goals, and, and that's good. 
But the way God works is he develops character, changes our hearts, changes our minds, and then says, all right, now go. But all throughout that process, he uses us. He uses us way beyond our own abilities and our own capabilities and our own knowledge and our own understanding. He still uses us, but he's constantly developing our character for whatever is next. So don't give up. This is a painful process, but don't give up during this time. Keep an eternal perspective. Be excited. God is forming you into the person he designed you to be. And at the end of the day, isn't that all what we want to be? That's, that's what I want to be. Are you allowing God to form you by his spirit to accomplish his will, his way? So why did John the Baptist live a life that pointed people to Jesus and Jesus' mission? Because John was called by God and willing to be used of the Holy Spirit, which is awesome. And that's, that's something that I want to emulate in my life. There's a second answer to this question, to this question why. And it's this, that through the Holy Spirit, John understood his role. John understood what his role was and what it wasn't. His role was to accomplish the will of the Father by preparing people for the coming of his Son, Jesus. He knew his role. John's role, if you look throughout Scripture in Luke 176, to prepare the way for Jesus, Luke 1.16, to point people to Jesus, Luke 3.16, to baptize in water for repentance unto the forgiveness of sins, Matthew 3.14-15, to obey Jesus, Luke 3.4, to be a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, John 1.29-42, to glorify Jesus with words and life, to testify Jesus is the Christ, John 3.30, his role was to decrease. This was not John's role, this list. John was not the Messiah, not even close, he says. John was not the one to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John was not to go against Jesus, but to promote him. John was not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor a prophet. John, his role was not to increase himself or promote himself. That's what John's role was, and that's what his role wasn't. This is one area that's always been a human struggle for us, though. We're, we're never content in our current roles, are we? Doesn't it seem like that? Have you ever noticed this? When, when you're young, you don't want to be a student, right? You don't want to have to go to school anymore. You're like, sweet Jesus, help me graduate, right? And let's, let's move on to bigger and better things. That, I mean, that is, that's our... That's our role, you know, no matter, no matter where you are as a student. You want to graduate and you want to start working a job to make money finally, right? <laughs> right? So, which is great. But then, when you start working, maybe, maybe you're not content doing the menial job if you're just starting out. Maybe that doesn't pay much. So you want something better, don't we? You know, for, for me, when I, when I graduated from college with a teaching degree, I moved back up to Wisconsin and started applying for jobs. But what I didn't realize is that there were 300 other applicants applying for the same jobs. It was a little frustrating. I, I eventually did get a, a part-time. I first, um, I was a, a building substitute at a middle school in the Muskego, Norway district. And then I got a part-time teaching job at a private school at St. Pius in Wauwatosa teaching third grade. That's like barely squeaking in part-time in a private school 
So, but but I was happy because that's what I was looking for, you know, to to have a classroom and to and to teach. So I taught I taught math and reading to those third graders in the morning, and then they would go down to the fourth grade teacher, and the fourth grade teacher would teach a, com- a combination class of three through four for social studies and science. So so that was my my first job. So naturally, though, I wanted to get the next step would be a full time teaching job, right? So that next year. One of the first grade teachers, full-time teachers, left, so I was able to get a full-time teaching job at the private school. Yay, I finally got it, you know. Um, but that turned into wanting to get a job in the public schools because they made a better living, and we were planning on having kids soon. So I finally got a public school teaching job. Ah, <sighs> Finally, right? Then God called us to go into full-time ministry. And so... You see, whatever role we're in, a lot of times we're, it's, it's hard for us to be content there. I think that's just a human tendency. I'm not saying that you can't be. I'm just saying it's hard for us to be at times. It's, it's hard for us to be content in those certain roles. We, when we first have kids, when, when Kristen and I first had kids, the, the role of being a dad kind of rocked my world. I, I can't say that I loved it at first. That little son, Anthony, took my wife. And now she was, she, we, we, we couldn't go out on dates. She paid, paid more attention to that little child than to me, and I did not like that. You're laughing because you understand kind of what I'm talking about here, that I, I don't know what it is, but, but after parenting now, for 10 years, I absolutely love it, wouldn't trade it for the world. But now that my kids are getting older, I, I think I miss the little babies. I do. We're not going to have any more. <laughs> but I think I miss the little babies. We were, we were at a, we were somewhere with Pastor Chris and his wife Holly, and they have uh, their new little son David. And like almost the entire afternoon, I was holding David. I'm like, this is fun. This is great. And, he, and, he's, and he's such a good kid, so you could mess with him, make him smile. And you know, I'm like, oh, not, n- none of my kids will let me do that with him anymore. And they want to get down. They want to run around and do their own thing, right? I still try to, but 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 now I hear from empty nesters who look back on their time with little kids and miss it. I'm like, well, there's part of it I don't miss, right? And so, meanwhile, there are days when Kristen and I can't wait to go somewhere without our kids. And there are some days that we can't wait to be empty nesters. You know, it, it just seems like no, no matter where we're at, it's like, oh, I can't wait till whenever. Or it was really good when, right? And so, kind of makes me laugh. You know, we always want more, right? We always want more. And, and if we don't want more, we want less. Because sometimes more is too much. You know, and so, so whatever it is, we're, a lot of times we're not content. You know, it's our human tendency to want whatever's ahead or whatever's behind instead of where we're currently at. You know, humanity seems to never be content with our roles. You know, John the Baptist was probably no different. He probably wrestled with. He probably wrestled with his role. 
the same human tendency. But I think John might say to us, you know what, it's worth knowing your role and being content in it. There's nothing more fulfilling. Nothing more fulfilling. Our, our earthly roles will always change. But no matter what our earthly role is, our spiritual role never changes, does it? It never changes. Jesus told us our spiritual role is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But how do we do that? Jesus described that too. He said, the only way for you to accomplish this is to abide in me. What does that look like for you? What does it mean to abide in Jesus? That might be a great thing for you to explore this week. Go throughout the Gospels, specifically the Gospel of John, and look into um, later on in the second half of the Gospel of John where he focuses more time on that whole idea of abiding in Christ and what that looks like. When, when our relationship, though, here's what I do know, when our relationship with Jesus becomes closer and stronger, contentment in whatever our role is will come. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed contentment coming? The closer that we align ourselves with Jesus in his life. Are you discontent in your current role? It may not be a situation problem. It may be a relationship with Jesus problem. When our relationship with Jesus is increasingly healthier, we'll find ourselves doing what John the Baptist seemed to do pretty well, pointing others to Jesus and to Jesus' mission. So why did John the Baptist point others to Jesus and do his mission? Because John understood his role, what it was and what it wasn't, and he seemed to be content with it. It's a great example for us. The, the last answer to this question of why, maybe more of a result or a conclusion than a specific answer because it kind of ties in some of these. And keep in mind, this isn't the last one. There's plenty more as you explore. But the last one that we're going to talk about this morning is this, is that the goal, the whole reason John did this, which he didn't even understand yet, was to point people to Jesus. Not to get something or to do something good, but the goal is that all would come to have an abiding relationship with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that this abiding relationship with Jesus would accurately reveal and help us truly understand the God of the Bible. This is what we have in common the most with John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist was a participant in a much bigger story and process that God was unfolding. A process that had been going on since the creation of the world. This process of God revealing himself to and being in constant pursuit of humanity. John was simply playing a short role in this much larger story. And you know what? We're in the exact same position in the 21st century. The exact same position as Christians. As Christians, we are called to participate in this interactive story or process of being that's, that's being revealed for all humanity and that is to pursue an abiding relationship with Jesus, our Savior, that helps us truly understand the God of the Bible. He's trying to reveal himself to us and he's used the Holy Spirit and he's used Jesus coming to earth himself as ways to try to reveal himself to us. Today, God reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus even said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come because the Holy Spirit can dwell within each one of us whereas Jesus was only physically present with the people at that time. The Holy Spirit can be 
which is God himself, can be present with all of us all the time and lead us into his truth, reveal his word to us. So we're sitting in a pretty good time, aren't we? Where God chose to send his Holy Spirit as to, to reveal himself to humanity. And God has a role for you. God has a role for me. Whether you thought he did or not, our roles are incredibly important because in addition to having an abiding relationship with Jesus to love the Lord our God, we're supposed to continually help other realize, others realize their roles to love your neighbor as yourself, especially to the next generation, so that they can participate in this grand story as well. In fact, it's God's will that none should perish but all come to repentance. Is, is this starting to make sense this morning? Are you starting to see your role in it? This wasn't just John the Baptist. And good thing because I don't want to dress like him and eat locusts and honey. But, but our role is still the same. It's to point everyone to Jesus and to reveal his mission. And we do that by abiding in a love relationship with Jesus so closely that he reveals himself to us and who he is and that we get to help others and point others to Jesus in that same direction. And it's a great process. What a masterful way to put that into place. God must really know what he's doing. As we understand this practice of abiding relationship with Jesus, we find ourselves becoming more content in our roles. See how they're connected? And more content in our roles we are in and the spiritual roles that God may have us in. And as we live a lifetime of an abiding relationship with Jesus, we'll come to understand the God of the Bible and point others back to Jesus and his mission. Then the process begins again with the next generation. Does that really work? It seems a little risky to rely on us, doesn't it? It's worked for thousands of years. We're all sitting in here today because God has used, through his Holy Spirit, other people and his Holy Spirit specifically to reveal himself to us. And we came to Christ. We became a follower of Jesus. And we want, I think, all of our desires in here is to have an abiding relationship with him, to be in love with him, so that we can understand the God of the Bible. So, then what happens is the process begins with the next generation, and that's God's plan for his people. It's, it's that simple, but it's that exciting. Isn't that a fulfilling future for each one of us? It's, it's much easier to find contentment when we understand the process that John the Baptist was just a part of. He happened to play that certain role. But you know what? God has a certain role for each one of us. And it is significant. There is no insignificant role in the kingdom of God or in his body. The question is, will we have such a relationship with Jesus where we can be content in it? So, hopefully, you get a little bit more accurate picture of John the Baptist today. So we know John the Baptist is this, right? That's how we started this morning. Hopefully you look at him with maybe a little bit different eyes. Not that he's any cuter. But that you look at him with just a little bit more understanding of, of what he was doing. Hopefully this picture looks a little more maybe unrealistic to you. We spent a lot of our time looking at the life of John and what he did and, and we didn't stop there. We continued by simply asking the question, why? So this week, a great takeaway for you might be, 
to continue to ask that question, why? This week, spend a little bit more time asking. As you read God's Word, ask the question, why? Interact with His Word a little bit more and see how God reveals Himself to you this week. Do you guys believe that this morning? God is trying to reveal Himself to us. Amen, and that's an awesome thing. Would you please stand with me? God, we just want to thank you. Lord, thank you that your word, and specifically today, the life of John the Baptist, was, wasn't pointing at John the Baptist, but it was pointing at you. Lord, that his role, he completely understood what it was. He knew exactly what it was. And so thank you, God, that he understood his role. Lord, thank you that you have an incredible role for each one of us. God, we're so grateful, Lord, that we that somehow you chose us to participate in, in revealing your grand story. But Lord, it only starts with that abiding relationship with you. So God, I pray that that would be the case in my life, that that would be the case for us at Portview Church. That would become a normal way that we live. Lord, that we would live in, in the idea that, that, that we, through the power of your Holy Spirit, can carry that on to the next generation, Lord, that they can understand their role. And that, Lord, that this process has repeated itself throughout thousands of years. And John the Baptist, although an incredible guy, was simply one used by your Spirit. God, help us to want and desire to be used by your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we're so grateful for our time this morning. God, we love being able to come together. Thank you for a church body, God, where we can help each other and encourage each other to do this. Lord, thank you that there's relationships and friendships being formed where where we can have iron sharpening iron, where, where we can help each other in those difficult times, but, Lord, we can also encourage each other, where we can also build each other up, God, to, to continue in the role that you have set us in. So, Lord, help us, God. Help us to be led by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be content in the roles where we are. And help us, God, to always point others back to you and understand our role. So thank you, Jesus. We're just so grateful for you, for what you've done in our lives in Jesus' name.